Welcome to episode number 42 of Talking Mopars. On today's show, we are going to be talking about the rise of the ratty muscle cars, specifically Mopars. So without further ado, if you are a Mopar enthusiast, then you are in the right place. Don't go anywhere. You're tuned into the best Mopar enthusiast-driven podcast on planet Earth. And I'm your host, Chris Albrecht, better known as the Mopar Hunter. And this is Talking Mopars. You're listening to Talking Mopars with the Mopar Hunter, your direct connection to all things Mopar. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of Talking Mopars. Before we kick things off, I just wanted to announce that in case you have not heard, the Build Mopar Project car has been chosen, and we the people have decided that the modern Hemi will be going into a 1968 Dodge Dart Superstock Tribute car. So, now, Hemi Pages is on the hunt for a 1968 Dodge Dart hardtop to use as the platform for the build. So if you or anyone you know is selling a 1968 Dodge Dart, please reach out to my friends over at Hemi Pages. You can go to hemipages.com or even buildmopar.com and reach out to those guys and let them know what you got. This is going to be a really exciting build. And if you didn't get a chance to vote on the first round, be sure to vote in on the next rounds. And also tell all your friends about this project. We need to blow this thing up. We need to get thousands hundreds of thousands, hopefully even millions of people involved in this, and just see what we can come up with. As a community, I'm sure we can cook up something crazy, so that should be really fun. Maybe you've got a Mopar project you're building, or maybe you just went out and bought yourself your first Mopar. Maybe it's not a show car. Maybe it's a little ratty. That's what we're talking about here today. I want to talk about the rise of the ratty muscle cars, because it seems to me that in the past few years, these ratty muscle cars and ratty old trucks have blown up. They are huge right now, and I think I have the answer as to why this is occurring. But, you know, I think it's multifaceted, but I really like the movement. I think it's an awesome movement. I think it opens some doors for people that would otherwise not be able to get into a muscle car. I think it lowers the barrier for entry for people like myself that don't have a lot of money, that can't buy a show-winning car, that can't buy a fully restored Cuda or something crazy like that. But... Maybe you found a ratty Mopar in your local classifieds for a couple grand that needed a little bit of work, but you could tow it home and get it running and driving lickety split and get it on the road. That is a ratty muscle car, and that's what I like to see. I love to see these cars on the road and not rotting into the ground. I think it's awesome. So now that we're warmed up, let's get this show on the road. This week's Project Car of the Week is actually a truck that was posted on Wednesday, July 22nd at 3 p.m. And going with the theme of ratty muscle cars and ratty trucks, I thought this was a perfect fit. And it also happens to be really cool and has a ton of potential and would make an excellent project vehicle for anybody that wants to get into the Mopar game and doesn't have a lot of coin in their pocket. So let's get into the ad. 1970 Dodge D100 short box, $5,695, Columbia Falls, Montana. Lowered 6 inches the right way, 20 inch Boyd wheels out back, and 18 inch up front. Wheels and tires are brand new, 318 auto. Caller text. Title status is clean. Alright folks, what we have here 
is what appears to be a running and driving 1970 truck. And it's got a cool patina on it. It is not a show truck by any means. If you think you're going to get show quality paint and no dents, dings, or bumps or bruises, you are wrong. Now, in case you're new to the show, I am a huge fan of Mopar trucks, and especially the 1972 to 1980, because I do have a 76 myself, but I really love the early swept lines, and they have a ton of potential. But the good thing about trucks, for some reason, they look amazing when they're patinaed out. Maybe it's just me, and now don't get me wrong, I do love a beautiful show truck. I love them. I think they're gorgeous. There's something about an old, you know, for lack of a better term, farm truck that I really like, especially ones that are slightly customized, you know, a little lowered with some nice wheels. They just have a personality, and it's a personality that I really like. The nice thing about this one is that it runs and drives, so like many of the other project cars we've talked about in the past, you can go out and enjoy this thing while you work on it. This thing is good to go. It's got brand new wheels and tires on it, and you know what? It runs and drives. It's got a 318 in it, so you can keep the 318, or you can upgrade and get a modern Hemi. You know, 5,000. This truck, you could probably get this truck for five grand. And, you know, great project truck. 318 in it, you know, plenty of parts available to hop that thing up if you really wanted to. Or you can swap in a big block, you can go modern Hemi. I think there's a lot of possibilities with this truck, other than the fact that it's just a great body style. They're amazing looking trucks. And, you know, I'll put this up against any C10 I see out there, the square. They call them square bodies for a reason, because you have to be a square to drive one. <laughs> you know what I mean? At least the Dodge has some personality. Pick any year of Dodge truck, and chances are it would make a great project. I'm serious. Pick any year. <laughs> They're all awesome trucks, and they have a lot of potential. Every single one of them. I've never seen a Dodge truck where I've been like, you know what? Go ahead and burn that thing. You know, even Dakotas. Dakotas are cool. I like Dakotas. I try to tell people not to shy away from the trucks. You want a muscle car, you know, we all want muscle cars, but sometimes the trucks are great entry-level Mopars to get into, to have some fun with, to build an engine, to put in something else down the road. But here's the thing, they are appreciating in value. So they're really investments. Even patina trucks like this one, you get it for five grand, who knows? A couple years down the line, you might be able to get seven out of it. You never know. These trucks are getting harder to find, and with all the C10s going up in price, a lot of those guys are going, oh, well, what's the next trend? And they're going, <laughs> and they're going, you know, they're, they're trend followers, they're, they're bandwagoners, and they're seeing all these Dodge trucks come onto the scene, some really cool ones. On the first episode of Talking Mopars, I talked about SEMA of 2019, and how one of my favorite vehicles there was Slam 64's Dodge truck, and Mopar's Dodge truck that they brought. Both amazing examples of what you can do with these trucks. But these trucks are coming up in value, folks, and you can get one for under five grand. I mean, get it. You know what I mean? I think they're investments. And I hope that the aftermarket industry, AMD, I hope you're listening, <laughs> realizes the potential in Dodge trucks. And I think they will. I think it's just a matter of time. I think the scene needs to blow up a little bit more, but hopefully people understand what's about to come because I don't want to hear people complaining, you know, five or 10 years from now that all the Dodge trucks are so expensive. You can't buy them. Well, you should have bought them when they were $5,000. You know, $5,000 is nothing. I bought mine for 2000 and it needs a ton of work, but you know, I got it for two grand and I am telling you right now, 
If I cleaned it up and fixed the problems it has, I could probably sell it for five. Now, is that a little optimistic? Maybe. <laughs> but I think that Dodge trucks are a great investment right now and they make great projects. I'm not going to say it again. I really want to see these trucks catch on because I love them. And the more I get to see out there on the road, the happier I'll be. The more I get to see it shows, the happier I'll be. The more I get to see at the racetrack, the happier I'll be. And I don't care what year it is. I just want to see more Dodge trucks out there. And for those of you out there that have not yet landed your Mopar project, I'm telling you right now, do not hesitate from looking at trucks. I don't know how you can't look at a 1970 or even, you know, mid to late 60s Dodge truck and go, God, that's beautiful. And even into the 70s and 80s, they're just nice trucks and you can still get them for reasonably cheap. They're still out there and they're not going to be out there forever. And the prices are going to continue to climb. No Mopar left behind. This week's installment of High Performance Parts brings us back to the 1971 film Tulane Blacktop. This time around, we're featuring the 1970 Super Duster Funny Car. It is a legit funny car. It was the Taylor and Wolf Super Duster. And it's featured in the scene where the guys take the 55 Chevy to Shelby County International Raceway, also known as Lakeland International Raceway, and drag race it. And it's a really cool peek at the era, the early 70s and drag racing and what it was then. So cool. One of my favorite sequences in a movie because you're just like, wow. It just gives you a really nostalgic look back into the past. And I think it's really cool. And I strongly suggest if you are a fan of Mopar, nostalgic drag racing, go check that movie out. I know it's a 55 Chevy that's the main car, but there are still some really cool Mopars in it. So I suggest you check it out. So this week's high performance part was the 1970 Super Duster Funny Car from Tulane Blacktop. And that was high performance parts. This week's listener story comes to us from Michael Dahl. Here is Michael's story. Hey Chris, just started listening to the show and I love it. Fellow trucker out of Mount Vernon for Skagit Transportation. Episode 3, you had talked about tactics when it comes to buying cars and how you should see a seller as a friend and not your enemy. I completely agree with this and would like to share how I came across my 1976 Warlock. I was heading out to Sandy Point one day buying a grill off a buddy. Cruising out to his place, I spotted the tailgate of an old beater stepside with a camper topper on it and the fence leaning on it. I have always wanted an old Dodge stepside, so I slammed on the brakes and decided to knock on the door. An older gentleman, Paul, answered and I could hardly hold my excitement. He let me take a look at the truck and it turned out to be a 1976 Dodge Warlock with a 318 and a 4 speed. Rust on every quarter panel, faded paint, rotting wood bed, and I instantly fell in love. I offered Paul $2,500 for the truck and before he accepted my offer he wanted me to do a little yard work for him. So he had me mow his lawn and when I finished he accepted. We sat and talked for a bit and had a lot in common, the biggest being both vets. I ran back to the bank as soon as I could, pulled the cash out, and when I got back Paul had made me a different offer. Michael, I'll make you an offer you can't refuse. If you agree to do yard work for me, I'll send you the truck for what I paid for it in 1981. How much, I asked. 850 bucks, he said. So we made the deal, got it running, and I drove it home a week later. It's been my daily driver for three years now, and is currently my only vehicle. It had 54k on it when I got it, and now has 71k. Just about bone stock, with the exception of a new clutch, leaf springs, motor, and tranny mounts, wood rails, and front bumper. I still keep in touch with Paul and do yard work for him often. He's made one of my biggest Mopar dreams come true, and he's become a very good friend of mine. If you ever see a big blue Skagit Kenworth T880 truck rolling through, give a honk and a wave. 
Once again, love the show. Thanks, Michael. Hey, Michael, thanks for sending in your story, but most of all, thank you to you and Paul for your service to our wonderful country. Now, your truck is absolutely awesome. A lot of us as Mopar enthusiasts wait for a day that we see a Mopar in somebody's backyard, in their side yard, and you get a chance to go talk to the owner and see if they're interested in selling. Your case turned out to be one of the good ones where the guy was willing to sell. And that's awesome. It's amazing that you got the deal that you did. $850 for a Warlock is amazing. I don't care how beat up, bruised, rusted, or how many parts are missing on that thing. $850 is a steal. For $850, there is zero complaint from me. I would have paid the $2,500 as well. I think you got a screaming deal and a really cool truck. It's actually, you know, considering how old these cars are and these trucks, you can't really judge them if they got a couple bumps and bruises. You know what I mean? If you find a really nice one that's not scratched, not dinged, not dented, you hit the jackpot, basically. But, Michael, your truck is awesome. I love it. I think it's really cool. I hope I get to see it out and about maybe sometime. Maybe I'll see it at a local show or something. Trucks like that need to be shown with pride. I think it's great. And you actually shared some cool pictures with me. And I'm going to post those on my social media. For those of you listening, go check out Michael's truck. It's really cool. And I'm sure all of you will agree with me that $850 was a steal. Even if you had to do a little yard work, no big deal. I mean, who hasn't mowed a lawn once or twice in their life? You know what I mean? I mow my lawn every week and ain't nobody giving me a truck for $850. (laughs) But awesome truck, man. I'm really happy for you. And like I said, I hope I get to see it in person. Thank you for sending in your story. And once again, for your service to this great country. That was Listener Stories. We've all seen them. In fact, they are surging in popularity and they are great for the world of Mopar, if you ask me. Some of us love them, some of us hate them. I'm one of those people that love them. I think they're changing the game. They're allowing for more people to enjoy the vintage aspect of Mopar culture. We're talking about ratty Mopars. They are on the rise and I don't see them going anywhere. And you're probably sitting there like, ratty Mopars, what is this guy talking about? You know, the ratty Mopars, come on. The ones with the weather-beaten paint, the faded performance decals on the quarter windows, the old mag wheels, and of course, I mean, the barefoot gas pedal. (laughs) What ratty Mopar is complete without one of those? You know? Okay, okay. Maybe some of those aforementioned items, you know, maybe they're not necessary on all ratty Mopars, but... I enjoy seeing them that way, and there are a lot of folks that just don't get it, and that's understandable. Society has conditioned us to believe that when you have something that's worn or old out, you replace it with something nicer, or you just fix it. We've been conditioned to look at old cars that have never been restored and are not in perfect or near-perfect condition as beaters, POSs, shboxes or ratty amongst all the other terms used to describe these types of cars. It's time to reverse that thinking, folks. It's time to appreciate the fact that these pieces of American car culture are still on the road, or they're going to be on the road again after being left for dead. It's time that we, as a community, embrace the fact that not all muscle cars need to be restored to be enjoyed. It's time to accept the ratty muscle car movement as a positive thing for car culture. You know, it's a subculture within the car culture, but... It's cool, and it's just not going anywhere. 
I've seen a huge explosion since the creation of Roadkill, and which I'm a fan of, by the way. There's just a crazy amount of people that are finally realizing that, oh, you know, I, you know, don't get it beautiful, just get it running and driving. You know what I mean? And I think that's great. I think it's time to embrace that. You know, it's time to stop stereotyping the owners of Ratty Muscle Cars too. Not everyone who owns a Ratty Mopar is Joe Dirt, okay? And, you know, hey, I'm a fan of Joe Dirt. Let me just get that straight. But I can't seem to grow sideburns. And my mullet game is far from being on point, okay? <laughs> I want people to be okay with driving a Ratty Mopar, no matter what their social status is. I want these cars everywhere. I want to see them, you know, from the trailer parks to the gated communities, from drag strips to car shows. I want to see this Ratty Mopar movement continue growing. And it's because the more Mopars that are on the road, the less are going to be rotting into the ground. It's simple as that. And please don't get it twisted. I do love fully restored Mopars just as much as the next Mopar enthusiast. But like so many of us out there, I feel like there's just so many cars that are out of my league as far as money. You know, the lack of money shouldn't deter someone from enjoying the classic Mopar hobby. And that's where ratty muscle cars come in. It's a trend that's been happening in car culture the past handful of years. And, you know, I stand behind the movement 100%. It's a great idea. The idea being that you don't need a fully restored show car or an untouched survivor grade car to enjoy a classic Mopar. And this obviously doesn't just apply to Mopars. Look, I'm a car enthusiast, so seeing any classic car on the road, no matter what condition it's in, is cool in my book, as long as it's not sitting idle somewhere rotting into the ground. And I like that this movement opens the doors for the folks out there, myself included, that don't have really deep pockets. You know, a lot of us have families and other financial responsibilities that make it really hard to afford those high dollar muscle cars. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't be able to have some fun in an old car. You know, I want to stress to those of you out there that are in the same boat as me that it's perfectly fine not to have show quality paint. All right. It's OK to not have the prettiest car at the cruise or the trophy winner at the show. What is important is that you have fun first and foremost. OK. And for some Fun may only be had in a really nice, fully restored car, and, you know, that's fine. That's them. This trend applies to enthusiasts who don't want to be afraid to drive the hell out of a car and aren't concerned what others may think about it. Not all of us get lucky enough to find a, you know, a highly sought-after Mopar like a wing car in a barn or a Hemi Cuda in a carport or something like that, and let alone be able to buy one. Some of us just have to make do with either what we can get or what we already have. This is a run what you brung type of movement, a culture within a culture. That's why we call it a subculture. Ratty Mopars are a subculture of the car culture and the Mopar world. I respect anyone out there who has a Ratty Muscle car that they got back on the road and enjoy. I just don't like knowing that there are people out there that walk around shows and at these races looking at all the nice cars and are plagued with envy. Here's an idea. Kill that Envy and go find a project version of the car you want. Get it running safely and driving and restore it as you go or just enjoy the car as it is. What's wrong with that? Nothing, if you ask me. And I think people need to, you know, relax a little bit. You know, you don't have to wait 20 years to get the car of your dreams. You can get the car of your dreams. It may just not be in perfect, you know, condition. You may have to wait 
to get it there. But the point is getting these cars saved before they rot into the ground, you know, because these cars aren't getting any cheaper either. It's cheaper for you to go get, you know, a ratty muscle car right now than it will be in 10 years, unless you can afford to get a driver quality one. You know, you fork out the 25, 30 grand cash and you got a nice driver car. You fork out 50 or 60 and you've got something really nice and restored. Of course, depending on what it is, this is all subjective. But there's so many Mopars out there that would make such cool ratty Mopars that it's really a shame that they're often overlooked because they aren't a, you know, Charger, a Challenger, Roadrunner, or any other highly sought after Mopar. But guess what, folks? There are tons of, you know, A bodies, C bodies, lower end B bodies, trucks, and other Mopars out there that would make a great candidate for any ratty Mopar project. And you've heard me say before that it's okay to build an engine inside of a car that may not be your ideal car. The cool thing is that when you find your dream car, you have, you know, the engine built for it. You know, maybe you have enough money saved up that you can finally get that Roadrunner you've been after and you find one, but maybe the engine's tired in it, but it's a great driver quality car. You know, it may not be fully restored, but it's getting there. Hey, you already have an engine. Let me just go pull that out of my old, you know, beater duster and throw it in there. You know, that's perfect, right? So you'll have a a drivetrain ready to go. Don't be scared to go out there and go find a car that needs a little love until you get something that you really want or until you can get the money together to have it restored the right way or even just brought up to driver quality. There are a ton of people that would look at a ratty car or truck and only see a hoopty pile of rusty junk. You know, I'm sure they would say a bunch of other more colorful terms, but you know, they just don't appreciate the effort that goes into bringing one of these cars, you know, back to the road which is quite unfortunate because there are a lot of people out there that have done just that and have saved cars that most people would consider a lost cause or only good for scrap. I mean, go to YouTube and just type in, you know, barn find rescue or Mopar rescue. And you'll see these guys getting these cars running after they've been sitting for 30 years, you know? So it's like these cars aren't so far gone. You know, are there some that are just, you know, complete piles rotted into the ground? Sure. Some of those aren't necessarily lost causes. I mean, there are, don't get me wrong, there are lost causes, but there's some cars that just aren't close enough to running and driving condition, but the reason why they're so expensive is because they're highly sought after cars like chargers or, you know, anything with an RT <laughs> attached to the end of it. You know, things like that you'll see for higher prices, but I mean, what's stopping you from getting the old Plymouth Fury or the old Duster, the old Dart or a Valiant? There's so many options out there for you to get into the Mopar game at a reasonable cost that you shouldn't be scared of Mopars. I know a lot of people, every time I meet somebody that is a Ford guy or a Chevy guy, you know, they always joke with how much it costs to have a Mopar or whatever, or they talk smack about a Mopar and I go, hey, you'd have a Mopar if you could afford one, huh? You can't tell me you don't like a Cuda. Tell me you don't like a Cuda. <laughs> you know what I mean? Tell me you hate a Charger, okay? I'm sure there are those folks out there, but I haven't met any of them, all right? but. I just want to help promote the idea that ratty or even driver quality cars are great for this culture. You know, they're great for the world of Mopars. The more cars we can get back on the road, the less that will be crushed. Okay, that's always a good thing. And to be honest, I get anxiety thinking about all the cool cars throughout history that had plenty of potential left that were crushed <laughs> because people sometimes don't have the ability to envision what a car could be. And, you know, they judge what it is. You know, you see an old Dart 
and it's missing all the body parts on it and it's just basically a bare shell and you're like, oh, there's nothing left, scrap it. It's like, well, I mean, there's still bones there, you know? What if I just lost out on a 69 Dodge Dart Swinger for 500 bucks that had been wrecked partially? It still had so many parts that you could find another car that needed the parts that that one had and throw it together and boom, you got a complete car. So I'm not against scrapping cars if what's left of them is used to save another. That's the only time that I find it okay, to be honest. And I'm not, you know, I'm not crazy about it. I'm not going to, you know, go nuts if you crush a car or something. I'm, I'm going to talk smack, you know, if it was done for no good reason. I'll talk smack about it. I mean, go back to episode one. <laughs> but here's the thing. Every single ratty car out there has the potential to be a show car, period. You know, you put enough money into a car and you'll make it nice eventually, you know what I mean? But here's another fact. Every single ratty car or truck out there is unique. All of these cars have their own battle scars and their own character. If you have a ratty duster, you'll never see a car that looks exactly like yours. The sun doesn't wear out paint the same pattern on every car. You know, each car weathers differently, and I love that. I love patina cars. And, you know, they all look different. You're never going to find one exactly the same, whereas you may have a fully restored 68 Charger, black RT, you know, 440 in it, you know, console shift automatic. You think it is the bee's knees. Then you roll up to a show and there's an exact replica of your car sitting there and you have to park next to him, you know, whereas three cars down, there's a 68 Charger that was a barn find that the guy, I know I hate saying that term, but we're going to use it for this situation anyway. They got it back on the road and it's in survivor condition. You know, how cool is that? He stands out in the crowd, I'll tell you that much. But the fact that they weather differently, that may be one of my favorite aspects of a ratty muscle car, aside from the affordability, of course, because it's nice to know, you know, that you'll have a car that no one else has. You will have your own one-of-one -one Mopar, even if it doesn't hold the same value as a truly unique restored or surviving example of a rare Mopar, you know, such as the one-of-one -one Chrysler 300H Hearst Convertible, you know, you don't have one of those, but that's okay. You know, you don't need one. You just want something that's cool to you, okay? And maybe that's the car that's cool to you, but unfortunately, Trev's got it, and I don't think he's selling it anytime soon. But that's another story. I think it's awesome that you have a chance to have a Mopar unlike anybody else's when you get one that has natural Mother Nature weathering on it, okay? That should be celebrated. When I talk to people who I can tell just aren't car enthusiasts, you know, real car enthusiasts about my Mopars, they always ask me the same question, you know, are you going to restore them? And, you know, I like to say, nah, I like them as beaters, <laughs> you know, mostly to see their reactions. But I used to think having a nice restored Mopar was like a symbol of class or success. But now I just think of it as one of a few things. Either you possess the great skills required to restore a car the right way, the checkbook to make it happen, or a mixture of the two. All right. But I can honestly say that even if I had the resources to have a beautifully restored Mopar, you know, I'd have to keep a ratty one around. I just would. Well, that's the way I am. And if I had the resources, I'd probably have a highly sought after ratty Mopar just to honor the car's history. If I could be the guy, you know, two cars down that has the 68 RT Charger barn find car that I got running and left as is, I'd love to be that guy. You know, of course, there's going to be some Mopar enthusiasts that want to burn me at the stake for not restoring the car. But, you know, hey, to each their own. 
I completely understand why this movement of Radio Muscle Cars has gained traction over the past, you know, handful of years. In my opinion, there's a bunch of factors involved. My favorite idea being that many of the Radio Muscle Cars were simply saved from death by Mother Nature and, you know, brought back to life in safe roadworthy condition just to be driven, just to get out there. I love to see cars being brought back to life from sitting and saved from the fate of being rotted into the ground. And I love hearing stories about cars that were saved and simply just made roadworthy again, you know, the epitome of a ratty muscle car. You know, some other factors that contribute to ratty muscle car culture are the preservation of originality. Sometimes you find a car and you just want to keep it as original as possible. Because once you start a restoration, you can't go back. Once a car is restored, you can't take it back to originality. So that's a factor. And here's another factor. Some people, like myself, find the natural deterioration of cars cool. You know, the patina, the weathering. And another factor is the lack of money to conduct a real quality restoration. You know, not all of us have those deep pockets. So that's where ratty muscle cars come in. And the want to get the car back on the road sooner rather than later. And because you find the nature of ratty muscle cars to be, for lack of a better term, a unique form of automotive art. But going back to getting a car back on the road sooner rather than later, I mean, who wants to sit on a car for three years while you undergo a restoration? You know, sometimes even longer if you have somebody else do it. Personally, I'm the type of guy who's like, hey, you never know what tomorrow's going to bring. You could die tomorrow. Okay, the question is, what are you doing today? Well, I'm getting this old car running today because I don't know what's going to happen five years from now. I may be in a completely different situation and may have to sell the car that I never got around to enjoying because it took too long to restore it. Whereas I could just get it running and driving and go have some fun in it. It doesn't have to be pretty in other people's eyes. It only has to be pretty in yours. And if you're the type of guy like I am, where you can see the beauty even in the disasters, <laughs> you know, then a ratty Mopar might be for you. I fall into all of those categories. You know, that's why I love ratty muscle cars. But that's not to say I don't love a beautifully restored Mopar. I absolutely do. And I have the utmost respect for the art of automotive restoration and resto modding as well. You know, I can't help it though. There is something about a Mopar's imperfections that make it perfect in my eyes. I love Schbox Mopars. There, I said it. <laughs> you know, self-censored. That's okay. But I know that both of my cars, or my car and my truck, my 69 Dart and my 76 truck, are not pretty to a lot of people's eyes. But you know what? I love them just the way they are. You know, I'm not sure they're going to be the same if I ever have them restored. One of the reasons why I bought them in the first place was because of the condition they were in. I wanted to bring them back just enough for me to enjoy and to make them my own. And that's exactly what I plan to do with those cars. I want to conclude our talk on Ratty Mopars here today by saying that I don't see the Ratty car culture slowing down anytime soon. And I'm 100% okay with that. And you should be too. Because if you're like me, you'd rather see an old Mopar on the road than rotting into the ground. And that's the idea behind the Mopar Hunter and Talking Mopar's tagline. No Mopar left behind. Long live the ratty Mopars, am I right? Come on, guys. Before we sign off here today for this week, I wanted to remind you guys to keep your eyes on buildmopar.com. The 1968 Dodge Dart Superstock Tribute car with the modern Hemi is 
underway. And the next round of voting is going to be for the color of the car. Now, the colors available are going to be all the 1968 Dodge colors that were available for the Dart. Plus, they're also going to have some modern colors to choose from. So keep your eyes peeled on that. By the time you hear this, you should be able to vote on the color. So don't sleep on this round of voting. You know, get as many people as you can involved. Share the build. Let's see how many people we can get to vote to see how this dart will be built. It's going to be really fun, and I'm looking forward to it. I want to see the car turquoise. That's me. I really like that medium dark turquoise color. I think it would really help the dart stand out but I'd like to see what modern Mopar colors are going to be available too. So we'll have to wait and see, but be sure to participate in the next round of voting and all the ones thereafter. All right, there you have it, folks. Another episode of Talking Mopars is in the books. For more information about this podcast or to listen and subscribe to the show, please visit TalkingMopars.com. And don't forget that you can send me your questions, your stories, your comments, your suggestions, complaints, and everything else on your Mopar addicted mind to chris at talkingmopars.com or leave me a voice message on my voicemail box at 209-28-MOPAR to hear yourself on the show. Friends, we also have a merch shop. Now you can get Talking Mopars t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, mugs, and more. So if you want to help support the show and get some cool stuff at the same time, follow the link in the show notes or just jump on over to talkingmopars.com. I just added a new design and there are plenty more in the works. So That's it, my friends. Until we talk again, I am your host, Chris Albrecht, and that was Talking Mopars. Thank you for listening to Talking Mopars, your direct connection to all things Mopar. Until next time, remember, no Mopar left behind.